tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, the trade deadline has come and gone. So no better time than to bring on Key Smith. I was joined by my BetMGM co-host, Ryan Horvath, and Nick Ashu. We recorded right after the deadline. Keith is a real deal NBA insider. He works for Spotrack, breaks down all the tea. You know, more than you can ever want. Amazing double-length episode. So do me a favor, Nick, and drop that beat. Keith was as shocked as I was about the trade deadline. He gets right into the Suns trade and what it means. I absolutely wild dead deadline. I did not expect it to go quite like this. So we're, but we're, we'll see. These deals are all going final now. Some of them are going to structure as multi-team deals, but we're going to be in the range of twenty total deals in season, and about fifteen or sixteen of them are going to have happened in the last. Uh, about 12, 15 hours or so, uh, which is absolutely incredible. So I think we're in a spot now where the league is exactly what you said. It's wide open. These teams feel like they have a chance to win, so they're going after it. And, and we saw, you know, it kind of becomes an arms race in the Western Conference, especially a couple East teams tried to uh, do some things to shore up their their positioning. But, yeah, it's, it's you know, really wide open in the NBA right now. I was really struck, Keith, because uh, Matt Ishbia just took over yesterday, <laughs> and uh, and his first order of business was to make sure that he got Kevin Durant before the deadline and before that night ended. Right? Was that something that we can say is is going to be a foreshadowing of how aggressive he's going to be as an owner and what that means for the Phoenix Suns in the future? I mean, what what sort of struck you about that trade? Yeah. It could be something where when we look back on this 10 years or so from now, we're like, man, this guy came out day one really making big moves and he's never stopped. But then I think back to Mark Cuban when he took over the Mavs and they made a million big trades and they were trading and signing everybody under the sun that they could get. And then he became actually down the line, one of the more conservative owners for quite a while. So I think this was, I want to make a big splash and I know Kevin Durant wants to be here. Let's go get him if we can. 
in and they had that opportunity to go get him as everything kind of went sideways in Brooklyn. So I think this is more, let's jump on it. Let's make something happen. than it was anything where it became a, you know, we want to read into this and say, yeah, this is a, you know, this is what it's going to be like in Phoenix forever. How would you assess that trade in terms of the details and the pieces got, they got moved and, and who benefited more or, you know, what, did anyone win or lose that trade in your opinion? Yeah, it's going to be hard to know on the net side because we've got years upon years of draft picks. We're, we've got some seventh and eighth graders that are going to be picked with, with a couple of those picks. So it's going to be a long time before we know the end story. But, you know, I think the net's in a tough situation this week after Kyrie on Friday basically said, get me out of here. Uh, they, they did fine in that trade. They did really well in this trade, I think. It's Kevin Durant, so it's hard when you trade one of the best players in the league and an MVP candidate. But you got Mikael Bridges back, you got Cam Johnson back, and you got four draft picks and a pick swap. And some of those picks are going to come probably long after Kevin Durant is retired. So we don't even know what the Suns will be at that point. So I think long term, the Nets look great in this. In the immediate, it's obviously the Suns. As long as KD can come out of the All-Star break healthy and ready to go, the Suns are a title contender. It's going to be very, very hard to slow down that offense because this is kind of Chris Paul's dream now. He can just orchestrate, probably doesn't ever have to shoot if he doesn't want to, and set up Devin Booker, set up Kevin Durant, make sure DeAndre Ayton gets some touches, and just kind of do their thing. One of the teams that didn't do much this trade deadline season was the Grizzlies. Keith explains why they stood pat and what it means for their playoff chances. Yeah, it's tough for them. They, I, I thought they should have made a bigger move and gone and gotten like OG Ananobi or somebody like that because they have the draft pick capital to spend. That, that team is basically the core group is there and locked in, and it was time to add to that group and step forward. But we're in a position in Memphis where they're still going to be pretty good. That They'll probably finish, my guess is, still probably finish second in the conference behind Denver, but behind them. Phoenix, the Clippers, uh, those teams got better. So they're, they're going to be pushing up the standings. The Warriors are still around. And the Warriors made made a, a you know fairly minor-ish move, but, but it should help them on the court with getting Gary Payton the second back. So that, that's going to be something that will be interesting to watch. And then the challenge for Memphis is they might have this great regular season and then all of a sudden find themselves in the very first round of the playoffs looking at the Warriors or maybe even the Lakers who got a lot better in the span of the last couple of days. So that's a really tough spot to be in. And Luke Kennard's going to help them. Really good shooter. Gives them a guy that they really needed. They needed one more guy who could knock down jumpers, but it's it's just doesn't feel like enough compared to what the other teams in the West did. The Lakers actually were the most active team on the trade market this week, but did they do enough to move the needle? Keith weighs in on Los Angeles and their changed roster. They're much better. Their challenge with the Lakers is everyone goes to, well, you know, they're only X amount of games behind, you know, fourth place and sixth place or eighth place or whatever. But their challenge is they're still 13th in the conference. That means you've got to climb a whole bunch of teams just to get up into the mix uh, for, for those spots. So that's where, you know, I keep telling people, you keep talking about fourth place and those kind of things. It's probably not happening because that means they have to go on a, incredible run to end of the season you'll probably only lose four or five more times in their their final 25 or so games and then that also involves a whole bunch of teams in front of them losing uh you know seven eight nine ten times and that's probably not going to happen with all those teams so their work is cut out for them but they're in a better place today than they were yesterday Uh, i think getting d'angelo russell 
Uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley is huge for them, especially when the only guy they gave up of any kind of consequence is Russell Westbrook. And it sounds like that was headed that direction anyway, if we believe all the reporting that's coming out today. So they're, they're definitely better. I, I, the Thomas Bryant move, that was a little weird, but it sounds like he didn't really want to be there anymore either. Uh, Mo Bamba, I, yeah, I'm not a big Mo Bamba guy, so I don't know how much he'll, he'll help them. But that that's a better roster. It's a roster that certainly makes a lot more sense. They have a lot more versatility. So they're going to be really good, but by putting themselves in the hole they did, it's going to be hard to dig out of it. I think they get into the play-in tournament, and let's see what happens from there. Yeah, I'm curious about who, Keith, you think are going to stay on that Lakers team because you've got guys on expirings, right? I think D'Lo's on an expiring. I, I can't remember if Beasley is as well. Uh, so you've got that, like, does the, do these moves give them, is this like kind of a gap year? Does this give them more flexibility, less flexibility heading into the offseason? They basically have almost the same amount of flexibility that they had prior to making any of these trades. I think what's important to know with, with these guys is they're in a spot where all of the players they took on, they've really got control over moving forward. So D'Angelo Russell, you're right. He's an expiring contract. Uh, Malik Beasley, there's a team option for, for him. So the Lakers are controlled there. Jared Vanderbilt has a very, very light guaranteed amount for next season. Uh, Mo Bamba is fully non-guaranteed for next season. Uh, same as, as is uh, Devon Reed, who they got also from the Nuggets in the uh, Thomas Bryant uh, trade. So, so they're in a spot where they can still get to $30 million in cap space if they really want to. But I think now what you're looking at is, well, we kind of like Malik Beasley. If he plays well, we keep him. Uh, we keep D'Angelo Russell. I would not be surprised if we see them extend D'Angelo Russell. They can give him a two-year deal with a fairly minor amount of raise um, involved off of his current pay. It would not be a surprise at all to me. They extend him, and then that aligns his timeline with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, so they would all be coming off the books at the same time. And if they need to hit a big reset in a couple years, that's when they'll The Bucks added a great piece in Jay Crowder. Keith loves this move from Milwaukee as much as I do. Why is the question? Yeah, George Hill, that, that moves like when in Moneyball, uh, Billy Bean trades Carlos Pena, so so uh, Art Howe can't play him anymore, right? Like that, that's, yeah. what they, uh, yeah. they, they, that's what that reminds me of. So, yeah, I'm with you because uh, Javon Carter should have played more than him in the playoffs last year against yes. the, the Celtics, but that's, that's water under the bridge, I guess. Um, so I think Jay Crowder is, is a huge upgrade for them, especially while they have Bobby Portis sidelined. They, they needed to get one more guy on the court that's – kind of coming off the bench that's not six foot four, right? You just needed a little bit more size. Crowder's the guy who's been there, done that. He'll do a lot of the dirty work as far as defensively. He'll get in there and bang. You know, he's the kind of guy who's going to knock somebody down in a playoff game and, and then not pick them up, and that's going to get everybody kind of going one way or another. The question with him is, is he going to make shots? That's really it. But they've got enough offensive cover that if he's not making shots, they'll just pull him out and they'll play somebody else. So I think that was a really good depth addition for Milwaukee, considering they give up George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and uh, I can't remember who the other guy was now. Uh, Jordan Nawara. Uh, yeah, Jordan Nawara. Guys yeah. Who, yeah, guys who don't necessarily play for them. So, yeah, why not? And they, they added a little bit to their tax uh, bill, which, you know, that – ownership group should be lauded for. They've, they've paid significant money to, to keep that team together and keep keep chasing titles. With the trade deadline, kind of a fizzle, Keith gives us some insight into the buyout market, which is really about to heat up. 
Yeah, you mentioned a couple of them. Reggie Jackson is sounds like he's going to be out there. He got traded from the Clippers to the Hornets. I think um, Will Barton is getting close with, with the Washington Wizards. He'll likely be be waived. So these are all guys. This is a little bit different. Normally, what happens on the bio market is it's these old veterans where it's kind of like I like to say they're more name than game. And that just is my way of saying like, yeah, you recognize the name, but they're not very good. Like, and they haven't been very good for a number of years, but this is a little bit different. Some of these guys can still play and can still help teams. And, and there's not a sense, like a lot of times in normal years, it's like, all right, this guy get traded. He's going to be bought out. We all know where he's going this year. It's a little bit different because we, there are so many contenders, a bunch of those contenders opened up roster spots. I think Boston has an open roster spot. Phoenix has has a uh, ability to take somebody in as well. Those are two teams that I know some of these guys are definitely looking at. I think Chris Haynes uh, reported that Reggie Jackson may get a look for look from Phoenix, and that would make a lot of sense for them as they they try to retool a little bit of their depth after adding Kevin Durant. So it, it's it's definitely going to be a very very busy bio market for sure. The Clippers had a strange deadline day, and Keith wonders if they did enough to get over the hump. I'm curious, Keith, about the Clippers. I just don't get it, honestly. I thought that they were going to try to make a move for Fred Van Fleet, and now it looks like, you know, you get rid of Reggie Jackson and you get rid of John Wall, and what you're going to get now is Bones Highland and Russell Westbrook? What am I missing? (laughs) Yeah, I... I think the Mason Plumley addition does help them. They needed any big behind Avita Zubac at all. So that that will help. But yeah, I mean, Bones Highland, this is a guy, the Nuggets, who are at the top of the conference and presumably competing with the Clippers to get to the finals. They were like, sure, we'll we'll, we'll let him go and for not even much of a return. So that that to me is a little worrisome. I, I think... They made their changes. They, they, they're going to be a different team now, and they're, they're going to look different, but but we'll see. I know they weren't happy with their point guard play for most of the year with Reggie Jackson yeah. and Bob Wall, and now, now we'll see what it, what it looks like with Terrence Mann's going to get the run there. Uh, you know, But we'll, we'll see if they can poach somebody on the buyout market or not. They'll probably be pretty active. But, yeah, a little bit of a disappointment from the Clippers for sure, which is kind of the term for this entire Clippers ever, quite frankly. Yeah. Right. It's like they, they were supposed to get a point guard. Right. Do you have any insight in terms of why that fell apart? Yeah, I was told they really wanted Kyrie Irving and that that was not just a smoke screen that they were trying to get in on getting Kyrie. And that turned into, yeah, it just didn't go that way. And they didn't have necessarily the same kind of assets to send back because they were a little pick poor and those kind of things uh, there. And, and then then they just ultimately chose to go a different direction. So, yeah, they, they didn't get Fred Van Vliet. There was talk of Kyle Lowry. I was told Kyle Lowry's market was basically nil. Everybody was kind of like, this guy yeah. looks like he might be done uh so i i think for that clippers they looked at it and said hey we've been playing pretty good when we actually show up and take it at least semi-seriously and play most of our guys so we'll, we'll do some additions around the edges and kind of keep it moving that way okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast the raptors are a team that was expected to make many moves and instead ended up adding instead of selling getting yaka purtle instead of moving anyone what does this mean key test thoughts you and me both uh, and a lot of people around the league it, it, it was you know one of those things where everybody kind of we got to about 2 30 and was like all right are we finally going to get the big raptors uh trades to to drop and then they just never kind of happened and and yeah. they, they were positioned where they made it pretty clear early on or at the, really the end of last week like we're not going to be full-on sellers here we're, we're gonna try to still be pretty good if we can where we're gonna you know maybe move some guys but we're gonna bring some guys in and we, we don't want to fully tear this thing down and bottom it out and and Jakob Pertl is fine and he'll be a nice addition for them and he'll probably be their long-term center moving forward but there's a lot more work to be done on that roster it's a, an even a weirder roster now because now everybody's to decide they don't necessarily really fit all that great in so i'm just really not sure what what they're doing and that's where, where a lot of people were feel, feels like a very big missed opportunity for them when we saw what the prices some of these guys were fetching that they didn't move og ananobi fred van vliet uh gary trent jr guys like that in this segment keith gets into the maps and what Kyrie means to them moving forward hint hint he likes it and then of course we get into the strange bizarre james wiseman saga you're going to be really, really good offensively. They're, they're really going to push and, and uh, make it tough on other teams to defend them. It's essentially Kyrie Irving gives them a souped-up version of what Jalen Brunson was. I don't have the worries that a lot of people came up with. Of, There's only one ball. Are these guys going to be able to play together? Kyrie's played with LeBron. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's going to be fine. He knows how to play with, with other guys. In this year, he'll probably be on his best behavior. rest of the season, everything will probably be fine. It's your two, three, and beyond. If it goes that far, we're, we'll probably see some kind of circus that sends everything spiraling. But for now, they should be fine. Their challenges, they don't have anybody other than Josh Green, who's a very young player that really plays a lot of defense. Maxi Kleba will come back, and he should help them defensively. But I think for them, they're going to have to try to beat teams, you know, 120 to 115 a lot of nights, and we'll, we'll see if they've, they've got enough offensive firepower to go. I think they're probably in a tier below some of those other West teams are really loaded up and improved. I'm really curious, Keith, uh, the James Wiseman experiment <laughs> comes to an end. <laughs> and 
Joe Lacob loved him some James Wiseman, boy. He did not want to let him go. He did not want to say it was a mistake. Somehow Bob Myers in, in the final year of his deal figured out a way to pry James Wiseman from Joe Lacob's hands, and they get Gary Payton back. Uh, what do you make of what the Warriors did at the deadline? Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big upgrade because Gary Payton can play, and we've no sense that James Wiseman can. And Gary Payton was a huge part of them winning the title last year. So uh, they're going to get him very obviously, right? They just plug him right back in and just, hey, do your thing. You know, do do what you do, and, and they'll move forward with that. So that's big for them to get a guy who can fill rotation minutes and do a lot of things for them, for a guy who wasn't filling rotation minutes. It was never going to work with James Wiseman in Golden State. It had just gone too far. There's too much pressure pressure on him because they needed to win. You have the draft status hanging over him. This fresh start for him in Detroit is huge because he'll get there, get a chance to play there. We'll, we'll find out here over the next couple of years if this kid can really play or not. I think there's still a player in there. It just wasn't ever going to happen in Golden State. And kind of kudos for them. It took them a long time to get there, but they finally did realize and move away from this whole silly, you know, we, we're going to have two timelines and, you know, 20 years of dominance and all this stuff. Build around your core now. Do right by Steph and Clay and Dre and those guys and try to win today. Yeah, I was just really following up on that James Wiseman of the Pistons. It kind of feels like he's a perfect Piston, right? Just like feeding <laughs> off of athleticism, you know, not a yeah. lot of, you know, a lot more organized chaos or less organized chaos. Uh, what does that mean, I guess, for Jalen Duran too? Yeah, kind of funny. Two Memphis guys, right, that, that are now going to kind of go head-to-head. -head. But I think if you're the Pistons, let's throw them out there. You know, they'll, we'll split the minutes down the middle. Whoever's playing better, we'll get more of them, and we'll, we'll just figure it out. I think Detroit has really handled things. And since Cade Cunningham went down and it was kind of, all right, our season's not going to go so great, it wasn't let's go completely in the tank here and let's trade Bogdanovich and sit all these guys because then it gets really messy. And, and if you're getting blown out and getting your head kicked in every single night, you get nothing out of that. It just doesn't go well for you. So I think for them, it turns into let's try to be at least semi-competitive, but we're going to play all these kids. We're going to throw them out there. We're going to play big lineups, small lineups, you know, lineups with three guards, lineups with, you know, three bigs. We're going to do all sorts of stuff and, and try it. The, giving up on Sadiq Bay, that's a little odd to me, but it sounds like there were some odds between him and the, the, the front office there and maybe the coaching staff. So that's probably why that went that way. But very, very interesting, you know, moves here by Detroit as they kind of continue this rebuild. Keith, in this clip breaks down who he thinks is going to be the team to beat in the East. No surprises here. He likes Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah, I think Milwaukee and Boston are the two best teams. I think they're in a tier of their own at the top of the conference. Those teams, two teams are very, very good. Uh, they've proven that. Philly, for me, that loss to Boston without three starters and then a fourth starter goes down at halftime and the Celtics really controlled the entire second half. That says to me, I just – I don't know where Philly's going. They just can't seem to get by the Celtics when no matter what happens, Joel Embiid just doesn't have it. They just can't get there. So I, I think, you know, if you're the Celtics, you're looking at the Bucs. That's the team you're worried about. And and we'll see, you know, they feel pretty good against the Bucs, but they feel really good against everybody else. I think Cleveland's probably a year away. This is the year to get into the playoffs, experience what it's like to play the same team four, five, six, seven times in a two-week period, see what, it, what it's like, how you have to make adjustments to win playoff games, and then they'll really get after it next season but for now boston milwaukee maybe philly i also don't necessarily trust philly to stay healthy that's a whole other yeah. issue but it's yeah. uh you know it, it's tough you know but i i think you know now it's kind of celtics box and everybody else is hoping maybe something happens and we can sneak in keith gets into what's left for the brooklyn nets 
after losing their star players, and then he gives me the tea about what's going on with my Portland Trailblazers. I think now you let Sean Marks do what he did after the Boston trade. When he came in, it was, hey, all those picks are gone. That's sunk cost. We can't get those back. Now we start the process of trying to build this team back up. And he did a really good job. I call it the diamond mining process. That's how they found Spencer Dinwiddie. That's how they found Joe Harris. And how they did that was, hey, we're going to use the bottom three, four spots on our roster. We're going to constantly churn it. We're going to bring new guys in. We're going to keep trying guys out. And, you know, eventually we might try 10 guys, but one of them might pop and stick and say, hey, this is an NBA guy. And now, now we move it forward. I think that's what they start. Now they're starting from a little bit better of a place because Mikhail Bridges is really, really good. Cam Johnson's pretty good. So I think what they're going to have to avoid is if they can get into a spot where it's, you know what, we're pretty good. We're 45, 50 win team. And, you know, we're fourth, fifth in the conference and we're competitive. You can't then say, hey, there's two stars who really want to come to New York. Let's go get them. Because if they're not the right two stars, it all goes sideways on you so very quickly. I mean, people were telling me, you know, two years ago, oh, man, now KD's back. This team's going to be dominant. They won one playoff series. That's it. One playoff series in their entire time together there in Brooklyn. And that's, you know, that's just, like you said, that's a massive, massive failure. And now it's we got to start over again and pick up the pieces, but they're doing it with some pretty good players and a whole boatload of draft picks and probably more coming when they get into the summertime and beyond. Keith, I would be remiss as a Portland Trailblazer fan <laughs> to not ask uh, what the hell they're doing. I, I don't know. It Maybe outside of Toronto, not trading guys, just a super confusing trade deadline. It was like, when they traded Josh Hart, it was like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing here. Maybe they're going to go in a different direction. But then it was, no, nah, let's go add, you know, let's bring in guys this way. Okay, now nah, let's trade Gary Payton the second out and, and move him along. I just, it, it's 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 odd they're, they're in Portland. I don't really know a good way to, to explain that. And it just feels like we're into, I don't know, year umpteen now of, Damian Lillard and another small guard was C.J. McCall. Now it's Anthony Simons. And then a whole bunch of guys you kind of like, but you don't necessarily love. And and then they're probably going to give Jeremy Grant a contract I'll hate by the time it's signed. And, you know, we'll, we'll just see. But it's, it's just a weird, weird spot there in Portland. I, I felt like it was finally, you know, we kind of picked a direction. And now it's like, oh, let, let's, let's go a completely different way. And that just feels off to me. And in this final short segment, Keith tackles the weirdest team in the East. The Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I don't know. They 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 didn't do a lot. They won gut Sadiq Bay. That's fine. Um, you know, we'll see. That's a little bit of an odd fit because you already have DeAndre Hunter. That would have made been a move that would have made a lot more sense if they had traded Collins, but they didn't. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we might be sitting here ten years from now and saying, man, might maybe the Hawks will trade John Collins uh, this year. Like it just, <laughs> exactly. I, I don't know what this team is is doing. They're confusing. They don't play enough defense. Their offense isn't good enough to bail them out. It feels like this is a team that. It's all going to kind of end in an early exit in the playoffs, and maybe it may be a team that hits reset in a major, major way this summer, or maybe they're content to just keep plugging along around 500. I really don't know. BetMGM tonight airs Monday through Friday live from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's available wherever you get your podcast. It's available on the Odyssey app as well. A million thanks to my co-host, my many producers, folks on the ground, and everyone who listens to this podcast. That is it for the bonus trade deadline episode of the Heat Check. Check back soon for an all-new episode, and do not forget to watch the feed for past episodes and interviews. Please follow the Heat Check as the NBA season heads towards All-Star Weekend. Download, subscribe. 
please tell your friends, every single damn one of them, and follow us on social at, at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok because the heat check never sleeps, even after the trade deadline when it's 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Love y'all.